All right, Tom, how's it going? Yeah, really good. We won a game. I know, amazing. I mean, we won. It wasn't very good, really, was it? No. No, I was waiting for the part where, in the second half, United totally blew it. Mm -hmm. Because Norwich Ah. were creating chances. So we won the game, but we got out XG'd by Norwich, the bottom team. I don't know whether that really means anything, but we didn't blow it. Somehow, our favourite, Cristiano Ronaldo, who we've never doubted either morally or on the football pitch at all, have we? Uh, came never. up with the goods. He did. And it's lucky that he did because I didn't look like anyone else was really going to score, to be honest. Like we had a lot of ball around around their penalty area and and we just didn't really look that threatening. And even when Ronaldo's free kick didn't really look that threatening when he took it. And then you're like, how did that go in? And then I don't know if uh, the feed I was watching on, because obviously it wasn't on TV over, over here, the commentator was going mad. He was like lauding him so highly like, oh my God, what a strike from Cristiano Ronaldo. I was like, I'm sure the keeper must have surely done better and you yeah. see the replay and it goes straight through Cool's hands, yeah. Yeah, it definitely should have stopped it. I guess the unusual thing with that is not Ronaldo scoring per se, but actually getting one on target. Mm. So, which he, he hasn't scored a direct free kick for a while, has he? It doesn't even look like scoring either. It's not like he's, he's come close a couple of times either. It's, it's just been, yeah, wild a lot of the time or into the wall. Yeah, I, I do wonder with that kind of thing, his percentage is like five percent or something like that I, I can't remember what the exact number is of of goals to to take and it might actually be lower than that and is that so that shooting in those situations feels like the low percentage move and mm-hmm. putting dinking a ball in or constructing something else um feels like a much better move united are actually second from bottom in terms of goals scored from set pieces this season <laughs> direct or indirect corners free kicks whatever which doesn't really sort of paint a good picture of our new free kick coach or set pieces coach no. does it doesn't appear to have done a great job although i'm not sure he did much about ronaldo's knuckleball technique to be honest i don't <laughs> think that's been him coaching it well to this weekend because obviously ronaldo's header was from the from the corner as well You're right and all yeah. i can think of in my head was the other, obviously the other one against tottenham Yep. We scored a header. And yeah. yeah, I can't even think of any more. I think it's three or four, something like that. It's it's pretty low though. Yeah, it's it's weird with the free kicks really. Like we obviously know how amazing he is at striking a ball, but when it's like a dead ball situation, it's so often that he doesn't even hit the target. It doesn't even make the keeper work. Like and I don't think he was unbelievable the first time when he was at United with free kicks and stuff, but he did score a fair few. But I think it's just a matter of getting it on target. He hits the ball so hard and surely he can at least like pick a corner, like even if it's just goalkeeper side every time. Because like, you talk about like the percentage. If he's, if he's at least hitting it on target, you could get a rebound, you could maybe win a corner or something. It's just almost like trying too much to go over the wall every time because it's, it's clearly not working for him. Maybe if you just go goalkeeper side every time, it might be a better option, or give it to someone else, maybe. But he scored this time, so... Yeah, I know. I, I, I did see one matter, like, hovering around the ball. I was like, mate, just, no. It's not going to happen <laughs> for you. <laughs> no one's yeah, believing like... this decoy, and you've got no yeah. chance of hitting this one. 
Exactly. Like Krull's not going to be put off by you, is he, when you when start to inch towards the ball? It was the second game in a row that Wayne Matter had come on. I was like, what's going on here? He's putting him in the shop window. <laughs> he was really good, though. He was really good. Look, he, he's got the legs for about three minutes worth of action, and that's about what he's getting at the moment. I haven't got a bad word to say about Wayne Matter. He's going to leave with his head held high. He's never really been a success, per se, but... He seems like a nice chap and he's had his moments. Yeah, the goal at that bicycle kick at Anfield or the scissor kick at Anfield was a proper good moment. Anfield will always be remembered, yeah. yeah. Anyway, c- coming back to this game, what do you think about the lineup? It was interesting that there's no holding midfielder, basically three three attackers. Paul Pogba was basically the deepest of the three. Mm. I- I'm not really sure I exactly saw him as a Libero type. <laughs> But, I, you know, I thought he wasn't... He used the ball well, at least. I mean, I'm not going to expect him to do any decent defensive work because he's he's had a career not doing any decent defensive work. But it wasn't really needed. United had 60-odd percent possession. Um, it's not started creating chances that you're like, mm, has anyone plugged this gap? Yeah. I think every defensive transition was terrible for United which is completely to be expected when you see that team like you say Pogba has no defensive nous about him maybe no defensive desire either and that's maybe why uh, the fans got on his back so heavily I'm sure we'll get into that in a second but yeah in terms of the lineup I can uh, 100% see what Ranjik's thinking this is probably what I would do on something like football manager if um if I was playing the bottom team in the league, just basically play all the attacking players and hope that the opposition aren't good enough to take advantage of it. And you say that they won it, uh, won the game in XG. Also, there were chances where they like just find, messed up the final ball on a few occasions. Like it was like three on three or three on two even at times, and that they're, they're just so bad that they didn't even get a shot on goal. So obviously those chances wouldn't even have been put onto XG. So, I mean, defensively and, and in those transitions, we were, we were terrible, yeah. but to be expected. But the the problem is when you've got that much attacking talent, you expect to be creating chance after chance. I know we were in their half and like I say, around their area a lot, but Krull didn't make too many saves. He didn't make too many amazing saves and Norwich's defence is poor. Like I would have expected more. I thought we actually started quite well and quite fast. Yeah. But yeah. as does kind of happen with United, we just... If we don't score immediately, or even if we do score immediately, we just slow down. Like we can't keep that intensity for, for what throughout the game. I thought Lingard was energetic. I actually quite like yeah. that. But then like, the thing is, I don't really want to see Lingard playing because he's not going to be here next season. I don't really want to be seeing Pogba playing because he's not going to be here next season. I don't want to really be seeing Matt playing because he's not here next season. That's the problem. Like yeah. with kind of here, like. Who's going to come in and replace them, I guess? I want to kind of see Hannibal or Garnacho, but they're not really ready, are they? They're not ready. I mean, Garnacho's definitely earned a, a place in the squad. I think he's been pretty good for the, mm. the under-23s from what I've seen of him anyway, which is not every game by any means. But yeah, I mean, United created had 20 shots yesterday, but a lot of them were miles out, very yeah. low XG chances, mostly Cristiano shooting because he'll shoot from anywhere lots of shots it looks like you know he had 60 percent possession and 20 shots but i don't think that's really the story of the game you know the two goals the three goals sorry two from set pieces again all low quality united should be spanking norwich who ship a lot of goals 
our bottom of the table for a reason. <laughs> and, and this was a team packed with what, six attackers, basically, who, like individually, all had a decent game, but yeah. weren't able to put it together as a project, as a team for that game in a yeah. way that was like completely dominant. And a lot of that is, as you say, because of the weakness on defensive transition, the risk that Ragnik took in picking that side, not picking Matic, I guess, which he's done. And, and well, he's he made he, he's made the substitution Pogba for Matic quite a lot, hasn't he? Recently, it was a risk he took. It just about paid off for United. But on another day, Norwich convert one of their chances because they had a lot of shots too. Norwich did. <laughs> Yeah, De Gea made two quality saves as well. Yes. Like there was the, the Puki chance right at the start and then the Kosovan lad had a really good opportunity yes. where at two two as well where De Gea made an awesome save going right. Yeah, that yeah, hit that him. Like he was a bit wasteful at time, but like at times him and Puki actually caused us quite a lot of problems. Which like it is it's fine that we won the game and that is good obviously. And but when you do look like this susceptible uh, and your goalkeepers having to bail you out on a couple of occasions and you're only winning by one goal against the team who are bottom of the league at home, like it kind of puts it into a little bit of perspective, really. Like, great that we got a victory, but I mean, surely we should be expecting this at home. And and in, you're also right with like what you say about like individually, like it feels like everyone did play well. Like Lingard had some really good moments. I thought Sancho looked threatening on the left. A little bit, I thought his kind of spaces were taken a lot of the time by Lingard because he was almost, they were almost operating in the same spaces a lot mm-hmm. of the time. And that is kind of the problem. Like, I thought under Rannick we'd start to have a lot more patterns of, like, visible patterns of play, attacking patterns of play, but we don't really. Yeah. It still looks like a jumble sale up there. It's like, really. It does. Yeah. I can't explain why. Really, because it shouldn't be the case. Rainick, I, I mean, look, it, it, it would sound reductive to say, well, he's only coached two two seasons out of the last 10. He still knows what he's doing. He's yeah. the father of modern German sort of tactical systems. He's not playing that system. There is no high-pressing counter-press from United at all. It was really noticeable against Norwich. Even the, time, the few times Norwich had it and were trying to play out from the back, there's no trigger there because Ronaldo's not going to do it. And so he's given up on his sort of core values, but it's not even a kind of discernible pattern to what United are doing. I I guess Ten Hag will start again, and Mm -hmm. um, presuming it's him uh, after they've played the cup final today, as we record, maybe more will leak out next week about the agreement there and which coaches are coming. And I, I imagine that Ten Hag will be, he'll get a very fresh start because... We know five players for sure are leaving, and there's a, probably another, another similar number that should leave. So it will be a fresh start, and maybe we'll get that pattern. But something tells me that a lot of these players have been under Oli and Mourinho before him, and now Rangnick and Carrick, and we've never had that. It's not going through, mm-hmm. is it? Something's not happening in in the the old grey matter that actually <laughs> says, like whether it's willingness to do what the coaches want or actual intelligence on the pitch something's not quite working and it was true yesterday like some brilliant moments from all of them they probably all got great scores on or sofa score or who, whichever ones it is that gives them a who scored because great moments from all of them but as a kind of collective didn't quite feel right yeah and that's 
you kind of think, like I said on the last pod then, what is Ramnik for? Like he's not, he, he clearly isn't motivating them in the right sense. And if you, we surely probably brought, well, I would have thought we brought him in to, to lay the foundations for the next coach. That's what it felt like from a tactical perspective. But that's not happening either. So he's kind of, he's almost just like, uh, like I said also on the last pod, that he's the man in who is just finding, like a fact-finding mission. That's his role at the moment, which is... Yeah. Well, and he's kind of said that, hasn't he? He, he said that, I yeah. don't know whether he talked about it last week, but he said that after the last game. Oh, and, and actually in the in the build-up to the Norwich game, the presser on Friday, he was like, I've told the, I've told the board what they need. And he called out the players for not finding any consistency. He, I don't think he talked about their motivation, but he probably should have done because it seems yeah. to be a problem. There's just that few percentage points of intensity lower than it really should be. Mm. And the maddening thing is both Spurs and Arsenal are completely inconsistent. Arsenal lost four of their last five league games. The opportunity has been there for United. Mm. And partly the coach, a lot the players, I imagine they've just not grabbed it. And... There's not enough for them as a collective to grab this opportunity. And they, they, I think they're going to end up regretting it, probably. I mean, like, only three points behind Spurs. It could still happen. But you look at United's last seven games and you're not going to say any of those are a gimme at all. Mm. United, I suppose, could win them all. But it's hard to think. It's hard to... It's, I mean, you'd have to be really optimistic, wouldn't you, to say United are going to get much out of games against Liverpool and Chelsea and then it's Arsenal, Brentford, Brighton, Palace. All tough games, all of them are in form. Yeah. And you also think, I know this might be quite a simplistic way to look at it, but you think uh, a lot about the motivation of the players, especially the ones who aren't going to be there next season. Like, are they that going to be that motivated to finish fourth? Like, I know, I know it might be simplistic to look at it maybe just in that regard, but that these players are human after all and like, Sure, they'll want to play well, but will they be trying as hard as maybe Arsenal, who are desperate to get in the Champions League with, with maybe some of the youngsters? Maybe they're actually like de- their desperation is is hampering them because maybe it's making them a little bit nervous or whatever. Or Tottenham with Conte, who's going to be like drilling it into them. The problem is, like you keep saying, it, the 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 chance is there for us. Like it's really like screaming for us. If we go on a run yeah. now, we can easily just go and grab that away from Arsenal and Tottenham. Well, we will do it. I think is it pretty much in our hands because we've got Arsenal to play. Maybe not. Maybe it's a couple of points either way. But you, you can't see that. I think Spurs have to drop some points. Yeah. But they, I think they will. And the problem is we will as well. Like you look at those games remaining, Brentford are flying at the moment. Ericsson's looking class and they've got, yeah, they're buoyant. They're going to stay up and everything's going well for them. Brighton have just beat Arsenal and Tottenham. Chelsea, a bit hit and miss, but they're obviously a really good team. Arsenal hit and miss again. And then Liverpool, mm, don't really fancy oh. watching that game at all, to be honest. No, we'll, we'll, we'll do a preview of that one in a bit. But yeah, no, every game's tough. There's no consistency in this group at all. Even yesterday's victory, it, it could have gone the other way. I mean, they we've got a free kick, which is super low you know, percentage chance that went in. We've got the header from the corner. United don't score too many of those. And we're gifted the first one, basically. Yeah. I mean, that was actually an example of counter-pressing, wasn't it? After I said we wouldn't do it. But that's what you can get if you do it consistently against teams that aren't very good. Yeah, exactly. Like Ben Gibson or whatever. who had an absolute shocker. Yeah, 
if they're going to play out, then yeah. Exactly. You will just get freebies. So I I don't know how much we can draw from the victory. It, It was important, some confidence, three points, all of that. But it wasn't a great performance. And you're right. So two players in Lingard and Pogba won't be there next season. You know, I guess they're playing for a move, although I suspect with Pogba it's already been you know sealed. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of PSG or Real Madrid by the looks of it. Yeah. And with Lingard, maybe he's going to make the move to Spurs that could have happened in January that the club blocked, or to Newcastle that the club also blocked. We'll see. One matter is definitely leaving. Matic came on as a sub announced before the game that he'll be leaving as well. He's got an extra year on his contract, so presumably they've come up with some kind of deal for him to go. Uh, and Cavani, who's not motivated enough to get out of the treatment room. Yeah, and and he gets a free ride from the fans. Like I, I've said before, I, I love Cavani and what he brings to United, but at least like Pogba's actually turning up and playing, and he, he gets that abuse. He got abused yesterday and I thought it was totally unjustified. And I don't know. And Ragnick said afterwards why they, they shouldn't single out. They, he can understand fans' frustration, but they yeah. shouldn't single out a single player. And he's absolutely right. They shouldn't. What did Pogba yeah. do yesterday specifically to get that abuse? I honestly don't know. I really don't know at all. It it, it, it really, yeah, it really bemused me, to be honest. I, I, I thought I heard it initially and I was like I've got to go on Twitter just to make sure I actually heard what I heard yeah and I to some extent I can understand United's frust- uh, like United fans frustration with Pogba he's been a completely dis- complete disappointment in so many regards but like there's surely players who have, have done a lot worse than Pogba like Cavani for it I know Cavani obviously wasn't playing so there wasn't he, he couldn't be, have the eye directed at him but he didn't play that badly and like he's still turning up every single week like and yeah. putting in decent-ish performances. I think he's been okay recently. He's not been like Rashford levels of bad or he's and or anything like that. Not at all. I mean, he has got that kind of air about him of lack of intensity, but that's just Pogba, you know, and he did mm. some absolutely stunning stuff on the ball as well. But that's never mm. been appreciated. You know, in his early years with United... He was he was United's most creative player and always used the ball progressively and before Bruno turned up, all the attacking metrics went through him. <laughs> and it might not show up in assists, but like you know, all this passing build up moves went through him. I, I think when he gets the ball, he's still one of the two players with Bruno in the team that is able to move the ball forward in any kind of consistent and creative yeah. fashion. And so overall, the package, you know, if you look at the cost and his wages and the impact that we wanted, it's been disappointing. Of course it has. But he is nowhere near as bad as it's made out by some sections of the the Twitter community. And I was just surprised that it's found its way into Old Trafford. I don't like him, Mm. I've got to say. And like, clearly I'm showing my age here because the time I went to the most football ever was in the 90s. And that just bloody wouldn't have happened. And no. there were plenty of disappointing players. So it just feels it, off. I don't like it. It shouldn't have happened. No, I, I can understand getting mad with the team and like booing and, and whistling and stuff like that. I couldn't, like I said on the last part, I can almost 
not encourage it, but I can completely understand yeah. like getting mad at the team. But singling out individuals, Ranić's completely right. It's just, it's unfair and it's just really harmful and really not nice at all. Like imagine just receiving that. Like he saw like a big grin on his face when he heard it, like being like, what else are you going to do? It's really horrible to take. And then you've got to walk towards the Stretford end as people are shouting fuck off at you or whatever. Like that, yeah, it's horrible. And I think with Pogba, like, he is an unbelievably talented footballer and I, I don't think his like languid style uh, and the way he makes everything look so easy helps him. Be- it's like in the same way as Berbatov, United fans never, tr- a lot of United fans never truly took to Berbatov because yes. I think there was that perception with him that he was a little bit lazy, but it's just his style and th- that style of football can produce some incredible moments at times, but and then at other times, look, like they don't care and they're lazy, but I don't think that is the case. It's just their style of play. I think it's uh, a little bit of English disease as well, basically. Mm-hmm. England fans' DNA, English fans' DNA is sort of, yeah, get at them. Still, it still is that. Yeah. And, and that's why there'll be, if United put a player in who's technically more limited, but runs around and puts in some tackles, the fans yeah. don't get on their back. Look at Scott yeah. McTominay. He's technically very limited and doesn't use the ball very well at all and a useful squad player. I'm not having a go at Scott McTominay. I'm just making a comparison, but the fans will never get on his back, even though he produces less. So it's, yeah, it's about expectation and perception. I'm just like us, really disappointed that happened. And I know he's going to leave. And overall, he'll be seen as a disappointment for United, especially given the cost. And he'll be leaving the club on a free for the second time which is a pretty special place to be in. But yeah, he didn't deserve that. Plenty of players in this squad have been worse than him. Yeah. And he's and he and yesterday he got given the responsibility of the whole midfield because there was no one else who was going to like screen the defense or do the tracking back or do the defensive work that Pogba basically had to do on his own. Like I said, defensively in transition every single time we looked terrible. But that was Pogba all on his own, and he's not a defensive right. midfielder. And I think I'm right in saying it's Ramadan at the moment, and he's fasting yeah. as well. So yeah. it can't be helping his training, and he's playing through it. So, uh, yeah. Um, it's, not, it's not like, I, I can understand like when Di Maria came back to United and was whistled and booed and stuff. Like, I can I can understand it with someone like him, but that means that when Pogba is going to come back to Old Trafford, imagine the crowd are going to whistle and boo him, and I don't. I think he deserves that. It's not like what Di Maria did for United or even, like I say, what Cavani's done to United. What right. Cavani's done is so much worse. And like not playing every week. And I hate that when when players just do that and just like check out essentially when there's still season to go. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it does go deeper than I we're talking about here, but I don't understand it personally. Right, it feels like a, a good point to talk about some of the other stories this week. And so we had everyone reporting that Ten Hag has been done over the past week. So I assume that has been done. The I's have been dotted, the T's crossed. And uh, apparently he's been a real stickler for 
uh, what the contract looks like and we'll see who what which of his coaching team are coming with him there's been a lot of speculation out there about Robin van Persie or Yapstam or mm. some kind of connection with the United and presumably because because apparently Eric Ten Hag's English isn't awesome and which is unusual for Holland because I swear yeah. to God like you go to any random person when you spend time in the Netherlands and they all speak perfect English even to the point you're like are they just they're just winding us up really right they just speak English <laughs> here and you know, yeah so they just put shushes on the end of things and that's literally it yeah amazing but anyway yeah apparently it isn't perfect he's from there I mean they say the east of the Netherlands but it's about five miles outside of Amsterdam isn't it 20 you know <laughs> yeah uh, anyway it's uh he's from that part of the Netherlands and apparently they make fun of him a little bit because of that he's got a slightly different accent <laughs> these yokels <laughs> <laughs> so anyway look it, it seems it's all done and dusted so everyone is now gone from being an expert on virology and then war to being an expert on the Eredivisie I'm definitely yeah. not I don't know about you I'm I've seen Ajax's Champions League games, that's it. But yeah. it tells us something. He's a modern coach. He, yeah, they set up in a nice way. It's four-two-three-one or four-three-three. Every time I've seen Ajax, I don't think we're going to be completely shocked with with uh, how he gets United to play. Whatever players he's got, that might be the shock. Mm. <laughs> there aren't going to be many left. I, I guess we've got a sense of what the future looks like under him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits Ronaldo into that team as well. If Ronaldo does stay, like, is he going to, like, I guess in, in some respects, like, Hilaire is is a little bit similar. He's not the most dynamic striker in the world. A little bit more <laughs> energetic, I guess, than Ronaldo. But, like, would Ronaldo fit into a Ten Hag system? I, I, don't, I don't think so. think so. But the problem is going to be... Like, that's going to be a huge, huge problem if he does stay. And I imagine the commercial side of United are probably desperate for it to happen. What would I say? Probably. They are almost certainly desperate for that to happen. He keeps scoring goals. Oh God, I just, I can't even look at United's various social feeds. It's just like constantly. Oh, my God. He does something that isn't falling over in training and it's on the Instagram, isn't it? Yesterday as well. I know it's not Ronaldo related, but when the Glazer protest is going on outside and about two yes, minutes we should talk about about that. two minutes before the the fans are about to march into the stadium the, the twitter account posts about the united fans in america celebrating the goal and stuff that's where your um priorities clearly lie not that there's obviously anything anything wrong with that but it's like yeah they're completely ignoring the big elephant in the room over there sorry completely complete tangent that but yeah that I think that's going to be the one biggest thing because you can build a team as, as much as you want. You can have all your systems in place. You can play pressing football. You can yeah have your all your attacking talent, attacking patterns. But if that cent- central striker, the person who initiates the press, the person who needs to be a focal point for the team, who shouldn't be drifting out wide, which he does at the moment, or drifting or dropping deep or whatever, if he needs to fit into the system like a rigid front uh well, rigid point at the top if that's Ronaldo that's a problem and everything yeah. else that happens around him is a problem like and also not just tactically mentally as well like if he's not playing every game he's not he's 
playing poorly for a few games and he has to be dropped what does that have that effect have on the dressing room like having an enormous ego not, not a good one it, 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 it's it yeah he's it's, it's basically the sun being in there and everyone else is revolving around him which yeah yeah it should be ten Hag should be the sun and everything else revolves around him yeah but, well, we'll see, won't we? And I, if I was Ten Hag, I'd be wanting to bin him. Mm-hmm. And I know we're saying this after he scored a hat trick, and he's got two hat tricks in his last three games or whatever. It adds to the problem that he keeps scoring goals and winning his <laughs> games. Well, there's this this kind of derivative thing that's on, on in the Twitter sphere now is like you know, kind of Saki Shaw, and now those are the problem. You know, mm-hmm. he is a problem, and I think we can be nuanced enough in a podcast in a way that doesn't happen on Twitter or other socials and to say he can both be a player who's very good at putting the ball in the net still got that and also a real tactical problem for anyone who wants to play any kind of modern system so he can make the team worse while scoring goals and he's got 21 goals this season but I don't think he's made the team better and I don't I couldn't honestly say and I'm not saying this just because I don't particularly like him as a person I couldn't honestly say United wouldn't have scored more goals with someone else in there and of course, look, the choice wasn't Ronaldo or a other striker. It was a purchase made right at the last moment and driven by United's commercial ambitions rather than anything else because the guy has 100 million followers on Instagram and it. And you look at through all investor presentations, it's all about media reach, all of it, right? Nothing about football, all about media reach. And so he's a very key asset in that media reach because he's a huge channel for getting United's commercial message out there and demonstrating to commercial partners, look how big we are. Mm -hmm. We've got this 100 million multiplier on all our commercial activities. So he's very important from a commercial perspective, from a tactical and team perspective. I think he's been a disaster. Honestly, I think he contributed significantly to Oli getting sacked. Whether you think Oli is a great manager or not, and I'm not really on the side of him being a particularly good manager. I didn't think he did a particularly good job, but I think it completely disrupted everything he was trying to build. Yeah. And uh, I'm comfortable enough on a podcast to be nuanced enough to say Ronaldo is bad for the team, even while he's scoring goals. Yeah. And like under Oli, we, we were progressing. Like you say, we might not have done amazingly well, but we were progressing every year, maybe too slowly for my liking. I th- I think sure. a better manager would have progressed. We would have progressed faster. But we were progressing. And this season, when the one big change to the team and also to the club was Ronaldo, maybe. But then I guess on the other side, you can argue, yeah, like if let's go with that argument that he isn't the problem. The problem is if he isn't the problem now, he will be in two years when he leaves. And if he's that, if we build the team around him next season... Like, how short-term thinking is that to do that? Sorry. Like, if, like, and we won't be able to replace him. If, like, we build the team around Ronaldo next season, which is completely daft in my opinion, but, like, some people may argue this, the, the season after, he's not going to be here. Or if he is, he'll be 30-whatever he is, eight, nine. Like, we need to move on past Ronaldo. We need to... It, it, we talked about last week about Ten Hag this we need to give him three, four, five years. It took Klopp five years to truly get the best out of Liverpool. If we're going to give Ten Hag three, four, five years, why not just start with a blank canvas now? Yeah. And and get rid of players like Ronaldo. We're getting rid of players like Pogba. We're getting rid of players like Matic. Like Pogba was has been part of the United team for ages. And we know how super talented he is. 
But I don't think there's many United fans thinking, oh yeah, we really need to hang on to Pogba because he's super talented and under a new manager, he might be amazing. No, we're just moving on past that. And he is a problem in, in so many regards in t- terms of the way he plays. And it's the same with Ronaldo. Like I I just go in and sign someone like Darwin Nunez, 22. And if he if Ten Hag thinks he's the solution, then go with that rather than a 37-year-old who we might get one sure. good year out of now and then into in a ne- in, end of next season then he's gone what's the point I worry about the impact of Ronaldo stays and should let, let's paint a scenario which I don't think is realistic from a financial perspective but let's just imagine that United go and get Nunes and spend 50 60 70 million euros on him whatever it's going to take is Ronaldo going to be happy on the bench are you going to play Nunes off the left I mean yeah. plays in a two-striker system at Benfica. Neither of those scenarios look good. And for me, Ronaldo's wider impact, which is supposed to be, there's this narrative, or he's a senior player who inspires other players in the dressing room. I I don't see that from his behaviour, where he's he's sitting on the steps sulking publicly, undermining the manager or smashing kids' phones. I don't see his behaviour as being... I know, it's like... (laughs) I can't say that without laughing, right? Um, <laughs> but he he's not modelling great behaviour either, right, as a pro. So what is it that we're supposed to believe is the model here? That he trains hard? Oh, fucking mm. hell. If that's the basics of what you're paid to do, go and train. Who was it that said you're paid to train, not to play? I can't remember. There might be a Bielsa quote. Mm. And yeah, no, so I just don't see the net-net as being very positive for United. And again, saying that the day after he scored a hat-trick... But if I was Ten Hag, that would be the question I was talking about. And I hope Ten Hag's smart enough, and I think he probably is, from what I understand, reading all the profiles on him, smart enough to have interviewed the club as much as they interviewed him. Step up for him, and he's he's had a slow burn career, but it couldn't half be ruined by going to United with a bunch of players leaving, you know, not being able to install the tactical system he wants because you have to play Ronaldo, and Mm -hmm. maybe not probably not getting all the players you need in order to progress it could be a disaster for him and if I was Ten Hag I'd be going what's happening with this player and this player and this player and I'd want to be really sure about that before the ink is dry on that contract yeah because obviously it's a tantalizing prospect to to manage Manchester United and if you turn that down I can imagine many people would label you unambitious what you don't believe you have the capability in yourself to, to turn around this club like you can understand that side of the argument, but then on the other on the flip side, he t- it's a huge risk for him because if he fails poorly at, at United, one his confidence could be smashed to smithereens, and two, I guess look at the managers since United they've been at United only Moises and it managed to turn it around after what seven years or whatever that he left like yeah seven or eight yeah. years or something like Mourinho. I mean, Mourinho was already on a down downward switch anyway. But if it doesn't work out for him, like he will be, he's at the peak of his powers at the moment. He can go to a lot of different clubs. He can choose a lot of different clubs. He could maybe stay at Ajax another year and go somewhere else. But he's, he's choosing to go to United, which is, yeah, it's it's a brave move because we are a basket case. And hopefully, like you say, he has he has interviewed the club and he thinks, yeah, this is a great fit. They're going to allow me to do what I want and. Yeah, and get rid of Ronaldo and bring in my own guys. And 
Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, Maram Albahana, Maram per 90 on Twitter, who writes for The Athletic these days, did a really good sort of tactical, uh, sorry, data-driven analysis of United's squad. It was a tragicomic in a way, because it was just like, here's where United are fucked, and here's where United are fucked. And and so my, I read that and I thought, Jesus, Ten Hag has got a big job to do to unfuck this, basically. Mm-hmm. He won't be able to coach his way out of all of that. I'm sure he'll back himself to be able to get more out of Sancho and get more out of Rashford and whoever's left in the midfield department. But he can't. He just can't coach his way to progression, I don't think. There, there are too many holes and too many players leaving. Five that we know of, definitely leaving. And yeah, so it's Cavani, Mata, Matic, Pogba and Lingard. Defo leaving. Tahith Chong will leave as well, but he's not part of the squad, obviously. So that makes six. And that's not even talking about the players that we actually don't think are good enough. I'm thinking like Wan-Bissaka and Tellez here. Yeah, Wan-Bissaka and Tellez. I mean, I can't see a scenario in which they leave because United need the squad numbers. They yeah. won't do the deals for replacements. But Tellez was terrible yesterday. Yeah. Like, he's been bad for a while, but he's terrible yesterday and yeah. I just don't think he's good enough for no no I mean he was there to push Luke Shaw along which worked for a season mm-hmm. basically it looks like Shaw's going to miss the rest of the, the rest of the season having had those pins pulled out of his leg so uh, yeah there's just too much I mean you know and you look at the saleable assets there's almost none I mean Anthony Martial but he's on such a big wage that it's going to be very hard to get rid of him and he's had such a terrible time at Sevilla that yeah are people really gonna want to buy him no so it might be another loan away or maybe Ten Hag backs himself to get something out of him maybe mm-hmm. I mean Martial's been clear about wanting to leave I think he said in an interview this week he'll surely and it's a translation surely be back at United I'm not sure what that means mm-hmm. exactly but there's no deal to be made for Bailly Henderson's probably the only saleable asset and then they'd have to get in a backup goalkeeper anyway and Henderson's on a mega wage as well and and it's whoever's been running the I mean Ed Woodward basically (laughs) who's been the director of football for the last 10 years uh, you know this idea of giving new contracts out in order to retain the asset value is back to front because it doesn't retain the asset value because the wages are so high in comparison to the rest of the similar quality players across the rest of the European leagues. So United have to drop the price in order to get rid of these players. And so, yeah, there's, I, I just don't see where the money's coming from to do this mega reset, which is why I think Ragnick's talking about three windows. Uh, in United have done 12 deals across the last eight windows. So there's no capacity to do loads and loads this summer no it'd be interesting to see how much we do rely on the young players as well next season like there are a lot of young talents coming through and you've seen with Arsenal like playing a lot of youngsters how beneficial it has been for them and and their business I think was pretty smart like they didn't splash masses of of money they made a few good signings like for to cheapish yeah maybe that's the market we need to look at like players whose contract runs out next summer and and look at that type of talent the problem is that most of our windows have been have been basically signing players for commercials commercial reasons and that has to change obviously yeah well we'll see whether Murtagh has the power to do that Mm -hmm. and uh, 
it, it, it seems to be that Merton and Fletcher are the brains trust here and Arnold is prepared to allow that to happen. But the, the, the push from the commercial side of the club is strong. All righty, shall we talk about what's coming up next? Yeah, it's really scary, isn't it? It's like a storm's coming. Oh, God. I mean, I, I said earlier, you look at Tottenham's fixture list, they've got a few tough ones in there. We've got a few tough tough ones. The opportunity is there, but then, like, Liverpool at Anfield, Liverpool chasing the title. Paint me a scenario in which United can get something out of this game. De Gea plays unbelievably well and Ronaldo scores a free kick in the last minute and we win 1-0. Yeah, that, that's it, isn't it? That's it. With our first shot on target. Yeah, we're going to have to get massively lucky. However, having said that, I don't think Liverpool have actually been that good this uh, since the international break. Against Palace, they weren't particularly great. Benfica last week, I know they rested a few players and they were kind of already through. They weren't great either. Against City at Manchester City Stadium, they were... Very lucky to get a draw that day. I don't think they were obviously good in that game. They were better, a lot better than what we played against City. If they played that well, they'd still beat us. However, I don't think they've been in in sparkling form. They've kind of been like get like doing the business, winning their games that yeah. they need to win, rather than blowing teams out of the water, which they were doing another part of the season. Well, Salah stopped scoring as well, so I think that's... Yeah. I know they've obviously got huge talent to just kind of switch in for Salah if he is playing poorly. Like, they have five players that, that could play in those attacking positions that would get into our team straight away, which is a crazy situation that Liverpool is like that these days because, yeah, throughout my whole life that has been the completely opposite, opposite way around. Anyway... I, I don't think they're actually in that great form, but this is just me putting a huge positive spin on it because the, we've been terrible for ages. But if you're going to get yourself up for one game that you've got left as a United player and under under Ranić, no matter if this it's, if fourth place matters much to you or not, like this is a game that will make you your hero if you score yeah. a winner or you play amazing. And we have got the talent when they play well to go and put a good, a good performance against them. I just I just can't see it. I think we might play well for 10 or 15 minutes, but as soon as adversity comes calling and maybe we were going 1-0 down or something doesn't break our way or something like that, these players just will under any type of adversity, under any type of pressure. And that's just my big worry. I think we can play well for 10 or 15 minutes. We, might, we could even take the lead or whatever. It's just sustaining it for 90 Tactically, they don't listen to, to what Ranić says for long enough. And it, again, if adversity comes calling, then they throw that tactical game plan out the window. And mentally, they're just not robust enough. Like They're just weak in many regards or maybe just don't care enough. And I like I say, they maybe this is their one chance of just caring before the end of the season, before they leave the club. And maybe Pogba might feel like enraged and might want to go out there and prove a point on Tuesday night potentially might even feel the other way like become apathetic I don't know but yeah there is a tiny 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 chance I think we could get a result but I just can't see it to be honest yeah it's it's really hard to paint the picture that United managed to pull this one off it would have to be 
I just wonder whether there's anything that Ragnick can come up with, which is a different look. Does he go to three at the back? Does he? Because he's without Fred and McTominay, by the looks of it, mm-hmm. again. So where's the defensive screen? Well, what's going to stop Liverpool's overloading in both wide and central areas and running past United's midfield? It's hard to it's hard to see how they stop how United stop Liverpool creating a lot of chances. City did it by having a lot of possession, basically. In the and even then, Liverpool scored three goals. So in the cup semi yesterday. Mm-hmm. And from not many chances, so the, the United is yeah, it's just really hard to work out a way that United can do this apart from playing ultra defensive and Dave having a miracle yeah. of a, of a game, which he he's capable of doing as long as they don't put any crosses in. <laughs> yeah, which they will loads, and like Pogba's yeah. not going to be sprinting out to block those crosses on the left hand side, is he? Matic isn't, or or if he's playing on the right of a two with Matic, and Matic isn't going to be going sprinting out. Well, I don't think Matic is actually able to sprint anymore. Like that, the dynamism of those two defensive players, if they do play as those two screens in front of. The back four is, yeah, I mean, it's like Sunday league level, like when almost when you put them in the Premier League, that is, yeah, a huge worry. And someone like Trent and Robertson just having the time of their lives on in that right and left back position. And yeah, it's very worrying when you look at it as a tactical and tactical game plan. Just, just don't lose 5 0, lads. I mean, just. Got absolutely battered at home by this lot. Have some dignity for the love of God, please. You think if they go, if Liverpool go 2 0 up early, then it could get it's, really, really messy. Like I say, yeah. we don't deal with adversity at the best of times. I can imagine no. they're just giving up straight away if they go 2 0 down. Awesome. Sorry to be really, really positive about that. Great stuff. Mm. Well, I guess we'll end on that super upbeat note. United won yesterday. You know, we won a hey. game. We won a game. It was against the worst team in the country. Well, are they the worst team in the country? Everton looked like they were the worst team in the country and they managed to beat us. So. Yeah, Norwich won a game last week as well, like us. True. So, True. so yeah, they were in a bit of decent form, so we put an end to that good form. All right, well, backers, stay tuned. Patreon.com forward slash NQAT pod. We do 15, 20 minutes each week on other stuff around football. I guess we're going to talk about Cup semis, Premier League, Champions League stuff, what's going on with all those, because now some Champions League semi-finalists. I mean, I guess we can look from the outside, because United aren't going to be back in that competition for a while, by the looks of it, (laughs) sadly. Relegation issue is kind of interesting. Burnley blew their chance against West Ham to get a really important result, but we'll see with that one. And maybe some financial fair play stuff, because more stuff came out about just how bent City are. (laughs) All right. See you, everyone. All right. Hi, everyone. This is the backers bit. Um, by the way, I've sent all the mugs to people in the US. I, I had to check in with Paul because he was supposed to do the UK ones and then I've got to do the international ones. There are a few of you who have yet to get an NQAT mug, including Tom. I need to send you a mug too. I know, I know. Missing out. Yeah, I think since you're on this here show, I think you have got friend of the show status. So. <laughs> Though in many regards, as soon as, basically as soon as I joined, we have been absolutely terrible pretty much every week. So, Yeah, 
Yeah, well, but I mean, that predated you, so the, the correlation, yeah, maybe, not causation. So. Yeah, predated me by about five or six years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Champions League, kind of interesting quarterfinals. When I, I guess the big result was Villarreal holding out against Bayern, which I wasn't. I mean, you know, they they just organised really well, Villarreal, in these European games. But they've not been great in La Liga this season. They can't no. they score enough goals, obviously. But they got the one and held out against Bayern. And the famous Man United beat them twice in the group stage, did we? Yeah, yeah. Like, Definitely the one at Old Trafford. That was, that was Ronaldo right at the end, wasn't it? Did we beat yeah. him away as well? I think we did. I feel we? like we did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, so we're better than Bayern Munich, so... Basically, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's literally what it means, 100%. Yeah, I, it's really disappointing in Bayern. Like, they've been inconsistent in, in in the Champions League this season and the league. They got battered by Hoffenheim earlier in, in the season and they've had some really, really random results. I really expected Nagelsmann to take them to to a new level, almost like the, the same level that Pep took Bayern to. Yeah. I know he didn't win a Champions League with them, but like in the league, they were just absolutely dominant and... They played some great football um, in the Champions League despite not winning it. Or even like what Heinkes did. or Yeah, and it's just not really happened for them so far under him. They've been super inconsistent. Maybe it's a team that is certainly ageing. Their better players are, are ageing. Um, yeah. I guess the spine of their team is ageing. But they still have loads and loads of talent. They're a team that won the Champions League two seasons ago. And should be beating Villarreal like you say Villarreal in La Liga have not been great we Man United beat them twice so come on how good can you be um it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's super disappointing and I th- I think you said a few weeks ago that we were hanging our hat on Bayern to be the upsetters in the, in this tournament and to knock out we kind of were, we? on Man City <laughs> and now we're relying on the the evil Real Madrid to do something for us yeah because Villarreal and- aren't going to be They've got Man City, haven't they? Yeah. I I don't expect them to. I mean, Villarreal are a sort of softer version of Atletico, aren't they? Yeah. That was amazing, the Atletico City game, just for the, just for the fighting. <laughs> it was great. Uh, and and I, do, I do love commentators going, uh, these are not the scenes we want to see. These are exactly <laughs> the scenes we want to see. Exactly. Like, fight to fan culture. You know, a bit of fisticuffs is great. I I don't know what it was like in on the American feed, but BT Sport was so sanctimonious. I couldn't believe what I was listening to. It was like you were watching like a trial of like Jimmy Savile or whatever, and it was a news reporter doing like the commentary over that. It was it was like what like and they were like um Darren Fletcher was going absolutely mental at Savage for what he did to to phone on the floor. Yeah, which was a little, it kind of like dragged him a little bit. And then when he showed, like he was going mad, he was like, "Oh my god, how has Savage not been sent? Oh, that is absolutely disgraceful." And then they showed the replay, and it was like him dragging him about two foot. And then he kind of like shut up a little bit. But they would not be stop being so sanctimonious. It was amazing to watch. It was like so fun. Like I, I, I saw loads of people getting angry on Twitter and stuff. It's like. Come on, it's just a game. It's like it was great entertainment. It was great entertainment. I, I it was especially because Atletico dish it out and can't take it. By the looks of it, they all lost their exactly. It's great. It's like just watching a child. It's like watching a child have a tantrum <laughs> and like it's just beautiful. Like they're going mad and like they can't take a little bit of criticism or like 
like a, like a bully when like a, he gets like like thrown back against him. You just they just can't take it. It's beautiful. Like it, football doesn't always have to be like Man City versus Liverpool was in the Premier League, of, like with a week where it was like end to end football. But there's like it's just all nice and like the managers are being lovely to each other. Oh. We need a bit of hatred every now and again. Like it's it's great. Fun. That was absolutely nauseating. Nauseating that Liverpool City game. Yeah. That Atletico game was just awesome. Like everything. Everything you want from a football game, in my opinion. Yeah, Liverpool. Uh, apart from Atletico, not not uh, knocking them out. Uh, apart from Atletico, not not knocking them out. Yeah, which is a shame. Liverpool won comfortably. They rested a bunch of players as well. I guess you know it's a calculated risk, but Benfica aren't particularly good. So we got and then Real Madrid. I mean, Chelsea blew their opportunities. I think they controlled mm. most of both games, basically, but partly. Not not taking their chances and and Benzema taking the chances basically while you know, why a flawed Real Madrid side is is through the semis. So. Yeah, I just can't see them being and like doing enough to to knock out Liverpool. Seems unlikely, but we got my my goal for this season is for City and Liverpool to win as few trophies as possible. So that is literally it, isn't it? That's, it really yeah. is. So the treble's gone for cheering. City, but uh, unfortunately, the quadruple is still on for Liverpool. Like, mm. just end the world now if that happens. But so, yeah, ho- hopefully, one of Chelsea or Palace do it in the cup, FA yeah. Cup, and hopefully, City win the Premier League, which still looks like marginally, marginally the favourites to do that. And and I guess we're banking on Real or Villarreal to. With the Champions League, what does like make me positive about about Real Madrid is is their their transitions are amazing, and yeah, and they they can be so clinical. Like Benzema's link up play is unbelievable. Obviously, he's finishing gets talked about all the time, but his link up play is just superb. Like Vinicius Junior, when he's fully on it, is awesome. Modric and Cruz, they just can slice through mid, other midfields, especially in transition, so well. So they're so clean getting to the final third and scoring that it even if they are being battered in the game they only need two or three opportunities to, to truly like put like put Liverpool to the sword so it is it's 100% possible like Real Madrid have been I feel like they've just been underestimated throughout this European campaign like every single time they won it like they're always underestimated but they're wild hill foxes and Ancelotti's won the Champions League with them before he's won the Champions League with Milan like he knows what he's doing and it's not, yeah, all hope is not lost, I don't think, in this. From a United fans' perspective. Yeah. In the Premier League, I, I don't think anything particularly significant happened this week. I mean, obviously Arsenal and Spurs both lost, so that's good for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sean Dyche got uh, his job. Sean Dyche got sacked. Yeah. Man, that is desperate. I mean, Burnley are in a really desperate situation. They blew their chance today against West Ham. They were leading for a while there, and and West Ham got the draw. So that was a big opportunity for Burnley there. They're owned by a private equity group now, who bought them and then dumped a load of debt on the club. So previously mm. debt free club is now got a pile of debt. Yeah, they. What are their saleable assets? Cornet, that's about it. Tarkovsky's going to leave leave on a free. I guess mm. Ben Mee as well could be sold. And, Nick Pope. Um, Nick Pope, the keeper. Yeah, it's definitely a Premier League standard keeper. Yeah, so, but they will have to sell because they're going to have to cut 
a lot. And I imagine a private equity group is there just to make money, right? That's their sole... Yeah, that's yeah. It. it wouldn't even surprise me if they did a derby and cut their losses and just put the club into administration because I'm, I'm not sure. It typically isn't the private equity model to pour good money after bad. So you can see why they're in desperate, a desperate, desperate situation. Everton's slightly different because they're owned by a, a wealthy individual who's already thrown a lot of money at, so they will throw. Mashiri would throw good money after bad, I imagine, if Everton went down, but... So, yeah, it, it is pretty desperate from Burnley's point of view. And they haven't appointed a interim, right? It was it was the no, unfortunately just... named Michael Jackson in charge for today's game. And I think he said, I think they asked him, what are you going to do differently? And I think he was like, we're just going to do the same as what Sean Dyche was doing. So it's like, OK, so you're basically just doing it with a less experienced manager and I guess probably a, a, a worse motivator, like for all Sean yeah. Dyche's faults, like... He well, he did well at what he does well. Like he, he's, he's he's kind of a very British manager, in like in the good qualities of that. Like he, yeah. he's very, super limited, but he he's good at what he does. And I just don't understand why you would get rid of him. It just feels like it, a lot of teams do this. Like they almost like resign themselves. Like I remember when Mick McCarthy got sacked at is it Sunderland when they were in the Prem and then they just right. Terry. Oh, I think it might have been Wolves where Ty- Terry Connor just got the job and like he lost ten yeah. games in a row. Yeah. I don't ever see why just putting a caretaker in in charge is just the right hoping idea. for some kind of bump. But it didn't seem to me like watching what Burnley have done is that it's a motivation problem. No, it's, they lost their main striker. Fair enough, he hadn't scored a lot of goals, but it was actually quite important to their build-up style. Yeah, and they this will be the first season of Daichi's time in charge of. Burnley in the Premier League where they haven't outperformed their wage budget so normally they are amongst the bottom in terms of wage budget like 20th 18th 19th they will be about 15th in terms of wage budget in the Premier League this season around about right and and they've had to pay um, some larger wages to keep some of their better players basically mm. so this will be the first time he's underperformed that but that tells you what a good job he's done yeah. even if they play crappy football he said well the only way to do that you know with with players who are basically on just above championship level wages is to play crappy football so you know and the fans seem to it's an odd like the fans seem to buy into that and they they loved him and enjoyed they kind of yeah they kind of go mad for that kind of football it's not like they were crying out for oh no it's not the Burnley way this kind of style of football or whatever and I feel like going down which they look like for all the world to do like he would be the perfect man to get them back up again like it's not like you go down and like no one ever comes back look at Norwich they just bounce back into the Premier League and like Daniel Farker did exactly that Fulham are going to do it this season for sure and probably Bournemouth Watford do it all the time and yeah yeah yeah, exactly so uh, yeah it seems like an interesting one yeah the parachute payments distort the championship completely and now it was it's basically recommended as part of Tracy Cratch's review that they go away and there's a, mm. a more of a glide slope between the Premier League and the Championship. I I don't know that I don't know that uh, uh, independent regulator if it happens will force Premier League clubs to give up a, an even larger share of their money. I'm not sure that they I'm not sure that the government is going to be minded to distort 
what is a completely open market basically in football that way we'll we'll see whether that happens but that's a larger financial discussion but basically Burnley are going to be in deep deep financial trouble if they go down Watford and Norwich are in much better position in that they're basically run on an even keel Norwich are run on an even keel and uh, because I there was an interview on I can't remember which pod it was on now with one of their finance directors which basically said yeah they um they budget for the budget they've got if they sell a player that's a bonus that's why they bounce back uh, and they will have three years of financial advantage in the championship in order to do that so yeah anyway a decent segue into I, I want to talk a little bit about financial fair play or sustainability and profitability I think it's called in the Premier League of which the rules do neither, and <laughs> the new UEFA rules and Manchester City's, you know, bending of the rules. Or mm. I don't know. That's that's unfair. Really, they completely obliterated and <laughs> cheated their way. The Spiegel put out more stuff in the last week, which is basically more internal comms on the stuff we knew already. And then they said, "We'll probably this is probably the last time we'll ever do a piece on this because clearly Manchester City's lawyers have very deep pockets." <laughs> Basically, in the speaker, it was more comms in emails, which uncovers what they did, which was to get related party sponsors. And the sponsors didn't even pay the money. It came from the owner, which is the Abu Dhabi royal family, who paid part of the sponsorship. So City had related party sponsors, lied about it, refused to give over information, obfuscated as much as they possibly could, took UEFA to CAS and basically won because on a technicality because UEFA didn't have a, had a time limit built into the rules. The Premier League don't. The Premier League have been investigating, so do Spiegel says, for four years on City's stuff, as well as not just the financial stuff, as well as payments to underage players, which can't happen either, but everyone knows does happen, but there are comms about that. What about the paper trail? The problem is they're just... They're just too. They're too mighty. They're too powerful. They've got too yeah. much money. They they have and and them and PSG, who are now you know much more powerful position in UEFA now have it seems like you know, killed financial fair play at a UEFA level. So that we're now not going to have financial fair play, and it will be a seventy percent of the club's budget is the cap can be used on agents' fees, wages, and transfers. But the club's budget will include transfers in, of course, and then you take off all the stuff like youth training, capital projects, all that kind of stuff as well. So basically what it does is it caps the ability of the next Manchester City PSG or maybe Newcastle, we'll see, to go and mm. spend their way to the top. It doesn't limit what's happened to date, right? Their City and PSG are now baked in as, as major players and it doesn't do anything about the past cheating i guess you see this kind of thing in everyday life you see corporations have more power than governments and you see them just bending the rules all the time and you would hope and because we kind of have this naive hope that football is purer than that that it wouldn't kind of happen to our game i guess it's in in certain countries you think to italy there are like the agnelli family at juventus who kind of have dictated that league for so many years in Real Madrid in, in a similar respect. But you see, not in terms of European football, you don't want to... Well, you hope that this would never happen where 
a team can just be a club can just be so powerful they can just they just play basically play by different rules but football have just allowed themselves to be in this position by being naive enough and greedy enough to just let states come in and rule football clubs and what did they think were, was happening like it when when they just allowed man city to come in and be bought by abu dhabi when they let qatar buy psg like what did they just think like that like a layman sometimes thinks in, in like joe public just thinks oh i wonder why they're doing that is that kind of like was all in their head like yeah surely you've got to look for the deeper reasons why they are doing this and and the longer term effects of what might happen when a a country as powerful and, and as rich as Qatar or a, a, a state, well, Abu Dhabi is just a part of, I guess. But you let a royal family come in and, and, and do this kind of thing, like it's going to have inevitable consequences if you don't look at the yeah. longer term effects of what this might be. And they've just completely brought it on themselves. It's just, and and they, they've clearly not even learned that after all the the, the lobbying that, so many fan groups and political commentators and human rights organizations did on behalf of not letting Saudi Arabia take over Newcastle they still let it happen yeah and like where were you wafering this like the British government apparently did well they flip-flop don't they and and whatever they think is right at the time and there was a little bit of pushback with Saudi but like it happened and it's going to happen again yeah, isn't it it happened football yeah, well, it will do. It will do until we have a reckoning. And, and I thought with the Russia invasion of Ukraine and the sanctioning of Roman Abramovich, that might be that reckoning, but it appears not. You know, we're a year on from the Super League, basically. Basically, it's a year this week, isn't it, that it all, <laughs> it all broke. And that's part of the reason why there was the big protest outside of Old Trafford yesterday. And nothing appears to have changed, you know. So in terms of United, United have keep putting out stuff about updating the training ground and old Trafford and apparently appointed master planners to look at what's going to be done we'll see whether anything actually is done or whether this is all guff there's some kind of advisory group of fans which doesn't appear to have made any difference in terms of how the club's being run at all and then from a wider football perspective nothing's changed UEFA have baked in the changes to the Champions League which gives even more leeway for the biggest clubs to fail but still get into the Champions League there'll be more money because they've they've done a, a wider broadcasting deal it's we're gonna have the Swiss model so we're gonna have more crap games but just and more games some more revenue there so those who are in the Champions League have an even bigger financial advantage than the, those that don't and so it just seems it seems to be that the reckoning we thought we had either because of Super League mm. or because of the impact of nation state or quasi nation state purchases has been none basically it doesn't make me feel very positive about the direction the game is heading really or united i mean the the new financial fair play rules under uefa united you know you just count backwards united spend about 50 percent of the budget on wages that would leave in theory another 20 percent. this is back of the envelope kind of calculation so a hundred million pounds a year to spend on players plus any sales yeah United should be a big dog in that kind of situation. Plus, if they can be successful on the pitch, they'll grow the commercial operation. So this bakes in the biggest clubs. Mm. They just have to execute properly, which they've never been able to do under the Glazers. 
but anyway, I I don't feel very positive. Uh, City, I imagine, will get away with with all their, you know, the the way they cheated their way into the to being being the club they are today, and we'll see whether Newcastle can do the same thing. They have a lot of financial and profitability and sustainability rules headroom to spend money in the coming summer. Yeah, and it, like when you talk about the reckoning, it's just it's hard for. It's hard when when the organisation and and the power structures aren't that bothered. It, it, you're almost relying on on the backlash to to create that energy to to, to create that reckoning, and and it's just impossible to con- sustain that level of energy for the fans because like <laughs> we've got our day to day lives to go on with. We can't just True. keep like this high energy going into like the protests and all that kind of thing. Like we've got so many things that go on on a day-to-day basis, like anything in in society when like the Black Lives Matter movement or like when Sarah Everin died and, and like loads of energy, like people put loads of energy into the protests and stuff and, and it's superb and it, it gets people talking and it, and it does create true change. But, and, and the same with like the Ukraine thing at the moment, everyone was like super energetic about that in the early days but and i'm not having a go at people for not maintaining their energy in regard in in backing these causes but it's just impossible and if you don't have the power structures in place who are going to aid you in in this like you, you can't just rely on 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 the groundswell at the bottom because it's not going to be sustained no. there's, there's so many things that go on and it's just impossible to st- to sustain that energy all the time without basically breaking yourself. It, it's it, the the thing that seems so crazy about un- the United situation is that all the Glazer family had to do was run the cr- club properly. That's all they had to do. Imagine they could be loved. They could be loved, and they could still make plenty of money. They could still. I, I always look at all the press reports about United's going to buy this player and that player, and just just model out United's free cash flow, take off twenty three, twenty four million in terms of the dividends they're going to pay themselves, and that's your budget basically. It's right. The chances of United spending two hundred million on a whole bunch of players this summer are absolutely fucking zero, unless there's a real change from the Glazers in terms of their their mentality and how they want the club run the club but that's all they had to do we had protests in 2005 big protests in 2010 when they took the bonds out and we got some extra detail on the debt they'd loaded on the club we had the the break in at old trafford and the cancellation of a game last year and a really big protest ahead of norwich yesterday which mm. wasn't completely sustained people were filtering into the ground before the 17th minute and that yeah. was supposed to be the date the time but still a really big protest bigger than i think some expected but it's it's not driving real and sustainable change and, and that's the maddening thing these fuckers they just have to run the club properly They'd make plenty of money. The asset value would go up and United would be more successful. I don't get it. Yeah, but it just feels almost impossible for the fans to change it. Like, the, the, what what would change it? Like they're on... An invasion every single week. Not that I'm saying they should do that, but that would make serious... Because it would damage United. It would have to be as crazy as that. Yeah, yeah. It would have to be, yeah. Because when that happened last year, we saw <laughs> disappear. And I think sponsors would not want to be part of that. Yeah. You know, and so again, I'm not saying fans should go out 
and break into Old Trafford and get games cancelled. But that is the thing that would drive real change. The boycott is never going to happen. People talk about that. It's never happened. People want to see their team there as a groundswell of United fans. It, there's never going to be. I, I just don't. I don't believe there'll be a boycott. It's it's hard. It's it's it's. We're all the addicts, and it's like telling addicts to go cold turkey. It's very yeah. very hard. But sustained protest that has a real impact. Yeah, sure, that would change his latest thinking. Yeah, we got some lip service last season. But that's what it is. We haven't really seen the evidence of it. It, it was it has been lip service today. Yeah. yeah, direct action and basically, yeah, almost going back to the yeah the violence which you never want to advocate for but like like you say there's nothing else that really will like they'll just provide lip service and then we might like temper our annoyance and anger and like the energy will disappear for a bit and then it'll come back and like that's all that's going to happen because they're they're unbreakable in so many respects like they, they can just shrug and be like yeah they hate us anyway so it's not like it's not like we're that bothered in regard to that like it is direct action is the only thing that's going to change it and like i said yeah. i'm not advocating for it but that's it's the only solution all right so i guess we'll leave it there good to speak to you again tom thanks everyone for for backing the pod it's much appreciated <laughs>